Hello and welcome to the DevThink Podcast with your hosts, Sean and... Nicola. Yeah, Nicola, today we have an interesting topic. It is one that I think you selected on purpose because you knew it was something that I have a very strong opinion about and uh, might be a little bit of fun. So what is this topic of yours? Indeed, this should be very fun. And the topic is frameworks, yes or no? Right. So um, we will reveal my stance in a moment. Do you have a, do you lean on one side or the other pretty strongly or are you kind of a depends kind of guy? Uh, it depends, but more yes onward to the frameworks, pro the frameworks than not. And like yours, oh, dear God, dear listeners, uh, brace yourselves. Yeah. So um, here's what we're going to do because um, here's how this is going to work. You are thoroughly wrong and I am thoroughly right and confident in my position. So I'm going to let you say anything you want for as long as you want. And then I will destroy everyone's desire to ever use a framework ever again. And then we'll end the show. So uh, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and go first and explain why someone might want to reasonably use a framework. And I am including ORMs in the general concept of framework. Well, first, no, let's define frameworks. Actually, yeah, let's let's not uh, touch the ORMs because I don't like ORMs. Okay. So... Uh... All right, framework. So I'm thinking Django, Ruby on Rails. Um, what else? Well, of course you would. React. Don't forget, of course, Angular. React, Angular 5, right? Yes. Vue.js, for example. Certainly. So let's hear why they're good. So, okay. Like, don't repeat yourself, right? What, don't reinvent the wheel. If something somebody already wrote that you can just reuse, why would you spend the time to write it again? Especially if that something may take you a month to do. That's like, uh, I know you super prepared for this one. So, I mean, that would be my first question. Oh, um, if you want me to respond to that now, I'm happy to. Basically, um, it sounds like you're suggesting that the alternative to using a, a framework is to write all the code yourself from scratch every time. Um, and if you are saying that, that is obviously a, a straw man argument and invalid because you can use libraries or code generation or other techniques um, to stop yourself from having to write boilerplate and to reuse code, including from other people. Okay, but doesn't that then mean, hey, it's a framework? So basically, I mean, come on, uh, how would this, how would this actually work? Because now, imagine this: you come to a totally new firm, uh, totally like different domain and everything, but they are using, for example, Angular Five, right? And you've worked with Angular Five, and you immediately know where to look for things. You can like, if you're like a senior dev, you can. I will say immediately, but that immediately, of course, can take some time. You can immediately become productive because you know the framework and you can immediately start using it and start being productive in that new environment. Yes, you can immediately be productive in someone else's crappy code base because you're used to other crappy code bases in the same framework. And the reason I am 
uh, prematurely just assuming that your code base is crappy, it is because it almost certainly is. If you start with a framework, the framework will automatically guide you to putting certain parts of your code in certain files or certain places or certain directory structures completely regardless of what your application actually does or will have to do in the future based on revealed business needs as your product is successful and grows. So what you don't do is you do not spend time or enough time or usually any time from my experience thinking about the actual product, how you would lay it out, how you break it down into modules, how you would have how you prevent repetition inside of your own code base. For example, um, to pick on ORMs, if you have an ORM and you have code in all of your views that use the ORM, then you decide to change something about one of your models. You now have to go into many, many places and update those ORM queries. Whereas if you came up with sort of an internal API type of structure, a set of functions, like maybe a function for create a user, get a user, instead of having user.objects.whatever scattered throughout your code, all you'd have to do is change the logic in those functions. But because you don't actually sit and plan out your product's architecture, you just start filling in the gaps that the framework provided for you. It's basically, you know, they're children's books, you know, color by numbers. Have you seen these? It's like a coloring book, but every section has a number. And there's a little key. It says, okay, everywhere there's a two, color that in blue. Everywhere there's a three, color that in red. Right? They have color by numbers, paint by numbers books. And when you're using a framework, you're painting by numbers. You're not actually thinking about your own product. Okay, but this sounds like someone who's using the fresh new framework. He doesn't know kind of like anything about it. And he's doing this new project in this new framework so that he can, you know, aside, learn it as well. I'm definitely not saying that, and I think that's wrong. And as you said, uh, probably they didn't architect or think about it before. Well, that's a wrong thing, and that definitely cannot be a pro or against or a con for frameworks. Because, okay, let's start with the uh, kind of like a thing that presuming that you know how to use a framework and that you actually should sit down and do the architecture or whatever first on the head and in the paper and the whole team has to agree and then you're going to go and actually work. I would argue that probably nobody or almost nobody does it that way and even if you do do it that way you are actively going to find yourself fighting the framework. That I can definitely guarantee you. Okay, I don't know how to okay contra that one but uh i don't know i'm still i mean honestly like probably anything that you say i'm gonna not buy it because <laughs> no honestly because like the thing that you're saying right so if i understood correctly use functions instead but don't you then end up with a bunch of functions that in the end could be you know quote unquote called a framework no and here's the major difference the major difference between what I'm saying, I'm saying not just functions, I'm saying you can use third-party code. You can use libraries or packages or whatever you want to call them. But if you open up a an Angular application or a Django application or a Rails application, you are writing first and foremost in 
React, Angular, Ruby, Jan or Rails, Django. If you open up your application, and in your application, you import a form framework, uh, not a framework, a form library or a parsing library of some nature or a session management or an authentication module of some kind that is embedded. So basically I'm talking about the difference between starting off with a framework and then filling in your, customer, your business logic versus starting off with your business logic and then injecting, embedding in libraries as you need them because then they're much easier to manage, they're much easier to use properly and keep your code as decoupled as possible, whereas if you use a framework, you are obligated to use the framework and all the pieces it provides. Okay, one thing that uh, I really wonder how you're going to reply to that one. Say somebody new comes, right? Uh, and now, by what you're saying... They really have to learn how you did it, right? And compare that to, for example, Ember is actually a very good uh, example because they have this uh, thing that they go by where they say that, you know, convention over configuration. So, and I honestly, like, I definitely see an advantage of that. You, as I said, new dev knows Ember, for example, right? He comes to your project, boom, he will know where the data access layer is. He will literally know where every where he has to look for something. Whereas in your code, oh, it's like totally quote unquote new framework that he has to learn and use and whatever, you know. And of course, oh, I really hope that your kind of way of doing it has documentation, right? Sure. I mean, I can't say that every single thing about a framework is going to be worse than something that is, but depending on your folder structure, how your folders are named, how your files are named, you may be, you may find it just as easy to find the piece of code you're looking for. Um, my personal opinion is you should be able to grep for anything you're looking for. You should be able to grep for a part of a keyword or function name and find it in a tree or most IDEs will automatically search with a simple command a keystroke in your IDE and then you start typing part of what you're looking for and it'll pop up. So I don't think that that's a valid reason to use a framework just because you can find things where they are. And even if you can find them where they are immediately because you're fluent in the framework, you're still going to come to any new place. And once you find what you're looking for and start reading that code, you still have to figure out what it's doing because it's going to be unique in 100% of cases whether you're using a framework or not. Yes, just because I can find where the data access layer is is great, but that doesn't teach me how my models interact and what the database looks like. But there is a certain convention how they should communicate and work. Communicate, yes, but what are the models? You know, if you're writing a web application for a newspaper versus writing a web application for a bank versus a web application for a comic book portal, yes, you're you can go to the same place in the file and find the code that reads and writes your data, but the actual models you have, how they are connected by foreign keys or you know, many-to-many -many relationships and what their interdependency is and how you deal with permissions for them for different users, what do you even have different classes of users, there is infinite amount of you know, difference among 
you know, three different applications using the same framework. So just because you can find the file, I don't think helps you much. It saves you, what, a few seconds or a couple minutes the first time you go there. But then once you know where it is and once it's in your recent documents in your IDE, at that point, you still have to read the code the guy before you wrote. And I can pretty much guarantee you it's not going to be any better or cleaner code just because they wrote it in a framework. Sure, but would you agree that in your way, that's not reusable at all? So a dev goes to some other place and he really, you know, he really knows how to use, quote unquote, your system. But then he comes to another place where they use, you know, normal stuff. <laughs> that knowledge that he acquired is useless, right? No, absolutely not. But like... How, how come not? Because if he did Angular 5 or whatever, you know, when I say Angular, I mean when he used the framework and then he comes to some other place where they use the same framework, he will not have to, you know, spend time on learning that. Whereas if he comes to another place where they reinvented the wheel, so to speak, he will again have to learn the ropes of that new framework. Okay. Quote unquote framework, right? So I think we're we're digging a little deeper into a topic that we should have probably realized was important earlier, which is software development. Um, see, what you do if you know what you're doing is you think about the project you want to work on and you decide what your abstractions are, you decide what your module should be, you take very good care to have loose coupling you want to write clean code, all these things. And with a framework, a great number of these fundamental decisions are made for you a priori by the framework authors. So when you start off with a framework, and I'll pick on Django just because that's the one I have most experience with. I used Django for over six years. Um, just to state my credentials, I worked with Django for quite a while. I contributed uh, five uh, patches to Django. I have my name in the authors list. I attended five or six Django cons, uh, a few of which I volunteered at with talks. I gave a lightning talk and I was active for at least a couple years on the Django users mailing list, answering users questions and helped a ton of people. So with that as my background, I can say that once you start using Django, there is already a blueprint of your application laid out for you. And people don't stop and think, how should I lay out my application? Because it's already laid out for you. You've got a template. But more importantly, Django was written explicitly for a newspaper. Okay, Even down to some of the ways that the models work and some of the terminology within the framework, th that framework is great for a newspaper. But when you're making a financial system that makes payments to do with clinical trials and you're using Django, you find yourself working around the framework's newspaper-centric design. With that, uh, shouldn't you like stop and think and maybe before you went in, reevaluate it and said, okay, you know, Django may not be the best framework for us is there another one that it's or could be better well at the company where i 
gained most of my experience, Django was selected before I came on board. But if you look at it, Django is being used by everything from newspapers to the onion.com to who knows how many other things it's being used for many, many applications. And it was born at a newspaper and maybe rails doesn't have the same handicap. Maybe rails was initially designed to be a general purpose and wasn't an open source version of an internal tool at a specific, in a specific industry. But either way, I'll just jump into this related topic that I wanted to say is that a, a framework so uh, Adrian Holovati was one of the creators of Django, and he gave a talk in 2017 basically saying he's against frameworks and doesn't use them anymore. He doesn't use Django. He doesn't use a uh, JavaScript framework, even though he writes a lot of JavaScript, and he stepped away from being one of the primary, the BDFLs of Django. And there's an old quote. Um, I don't know if they have something similar in Croatia, but in America, I think we've all heard when you sleep with someone, you're not only sleeping with them, you're sleeping with everyone they ever slept with. <laughs> no, we don't have that one. Okay, but you can see the connection, right? Like if there's any STDs or any kind of, uh, you know, undesirable things, they may have, uh, you know, you may be exposed to all of them, right? And the idea with a framework is that every single person who has ever used the framework in any industry, from banking to selling t-shirts on a web store to newspapers to whatever, who has had a need, the framework now has to cater to all these things. It is not customized to you. It is never going to be as easy or convenient to use as something that is designed for your application. So you're always compromising from the beginning. By definition, the use of a framework is going to be less than the ideal. That's just a fact. Okay, so let me get this. So basically what you're saying is uh, if you have a hammer, you know that popular saying, if you have a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. And if I got this right, then you're basically saying that any new project in the, let's say, not general domain problem should have and make their own quote unquote I'm I'm kinda like don't want to use the word framework, but it seems that when you you know you're okay you so you start building your um data layer, your uh access to the database layer, blah blah blah, whatever. Don't you then end up in the end with quote unquote your custom framework? Which again, true, is specific for your domain, whatever niche may it be. No, I don't think there is well, I don't think there's anything as a one size all fits approach, first of all. And the secondly, a custom framework, no, I don't think that's any better. Because if you do make a custom framework that's uniquely suited for your product and your company, your customer base and the growth of your company are going to dictate changes to your product, which you're gonna find that your framework stifles you and makes things harder than they should be. So no, I say no frameworks ever. Not even a custom framework designed exactly for your needs. Instead, like I said, you embed, you use libraries. To give the example of an ORM, which we both dislike ORMs, but if you chose to use an ORM, then you would have the ability at some point to stop using the ORM or start using a different ORM. Whereas if you start by using a framework, you have enough trouble 
just upgrading, keeping your framework version up to date with the latest version from the open source team or the company that contributes it, much less taking it out of the framework. Basically, if you decide you don't want to use the framework anymore, that's a complete rewrite, guaranteed. And actually, that almost makes my case for me. The fact that if you have two companies and they both make the same product, one uses a framework and the other one doesn't, right? The other one makes uses third-party libraries. You know, you don't have to write everything from scratch, but they use them in a pluggable way. And then a year later, they both decide, you know, the other company decides it doesn't need a framework. It literally needs a full rewrite, which means their code was not written just in the language they were using. For example, in Django, it's written in Python. My Django code is not just Python code. It is Django code. Probably every function, literally, in that entire application would have to be rewritten to remove references to anything Django-specific. And so, because that is true, I think that almost makes my entire case. When you use a framework, it changes the way you do things to accommodate the framework, not to accommodate the problem you're trying to solve. Okay, I see your point. But now please explain how... Okay, so how would you do it? How would you go about not using a framework? And uh, since I'm not familiar with Django and Python, um, explain me how you do it in... So, oh, and also a question. So in Go, for example... If I understand you correctly, you would never use something like Gorilla or something like that for a web app. Uh, no, but I think you might be uh, misunderstanding what Gorilla is. So Gorilla is a family of projects. So I have in the past gone in and used the Gorilla WebSocket package, and I'm happy to use it. They also have a session package. You can go under the Gorilla project, it's multiple packages. I can go pick one, embed it in my application. If I decide, hey, you know what? I uh, don't like the Gorilla WebSocket framework or the Gorilla WebSocket library anymore. I'm going to, or, hey, look, they added uh, WebSockets directly to the standard library. I mean, actually, they have them, but they added, you know, a convenience function, which I like better than Gorilla. I can switch to that with almost no overhead. Whereas something like, I forget the name of it, there are actual frameworks that try to be what, things like Rails and Django are for Go? And I would say no, I would never even consider using them. Okay, so basically you would take as much as... So you would go with libraries, which you would, in the presumption that they are quote-unquote pluggable, but you would never go with the actual full-blown framework. Exactly. Okay, interesting. Well, dear listeners, I don't know. You be the judges. Well, okay, so <laughs> let me throw this in. Um, and people have dealt with this with Angular and React and Django and Rails. You have to keep up to date. You don't. Usually people install a version of their framework and they write their application and they run it for years. And they'll find that, oh, look, it's 2018 and we have an application that's written in Angular 1 in production or we have Django 1.1 or 1.3 in production. It hasn't been supported for years. It has known security vulnerabilities. And we can't upgrade, at least not easily, not without months of work, 
because it takes so much effort because of the backwards incompatibility issues you have. So there are sites like, for example, Shodan.io, where if you discover a vulnerability, like, hey, look, um, this version of uh, Jenkins has a, lib- has a vulnerability, which is something that just came out recently. All people have to do is go to Shodan and do a certain, it's basically a Google for open ports. They've scanned the entire internet. And if we know this particular vendor makes this particular product that listens on port so-and-so, and there's a vulnerability in version 1.4.3, they can just go to Shodan and it's as easy as Googling and write their bot to take advantage of it. So you have to keep on top of that. Most people don't, and they should. But another thing is, let's say that a vulnerability isn't discovered or it's a zero-day vulnerability. If you have something where you have built something yourself, you have a much smaller exposure to something like that. Like, for example, if you use uh, Joomla, right, which is a PHP framework, there are so many vulnerabilities. You just have to do a Google search for Joomla version whatever and find vulnerabilities. You are now vulnerable to all those things, and that's not your fault. It's your fault for using a framework, in my opinion. But you take on all of the issues that come along with that framework. So that's just terrible. Another thing is you were saying a developer can go from job to job to job and no Angular and keep up with Angular. Okay, so, sorry, before, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, before before you go in here, yeah. uh, I just want to say one thing. Sure, true, uh, vulnerabilities are found quicker, but here's what I think on that, and they are fixed quicker because usually they are open source, right? And there are a lot of people working on them. And so you mentioned Joomla. Joomla is like WordPress, right? And usually when something comes out very quickly, you get an update. And also if you have auto update turned on, you're basically covered. True for that amount when they don't fix it, you're in a very bad position. But what I'm trying to say is, but if you do it, if you're like, if you're the only one working on that, on, you know, your version of whatever, when and when will you figure out that it broke, you know, and how fast till you fix it? Well, so I, you're right in that two things. Um, yes, they are found and patched quickly. The problem is most people don't update or don't update in time. And there are any number of millions of WordPress and Joomla and Samba and IIS and... SQL Server systems that are sitting on the internet, connected, that have not been patched or maintained or maybe even rebooted in years that people forgot about. And so it makes it possible to have things like worms. Now, if your point, which I think you were leaning toward, is that, yes, you can have bugs in WordPress, and yes, you can have bugs in your own code. And in both cases... It may or may not be found by somebody who's doing some port scanning or being malicious. The WordPress one is more likely to get addressed and found more quickly. And just because your custom code might not get caught up in that doesn't mean that security through obscurity is a better idea. That is, I will 100% agree with that. Um, However, there is the simple fact that your your system will be more secure due to this obscurity because for the same reason 
Windows is more targeted toward for viruses than Linux. It's the same reason that, and we I think we've talked about this in the past, if you have, say, a spam filter, you don't have the, have the best spam filter that stops all the spam. You just have to have a spam filter better than others in your industry to make the spammers go to the easier target. So I would say if you're running Windows, if you're using WordPress, if you're using Joomla, that's where the bad guys are looking because those are the easy targets and they're never going to run out. So just using the same thing that a million other people use automatically puts you at higher risk. So I'm not saying writing your own puts you at lower writing your own puts you at lower risk. I'm saying using the same one everyone else uses puts you at higher risk. It's a different way of saying the same thing. It's kind of subtle that you may decide that I'm playing games with words, but you know, it does in the end have a real world benefit. Okay, but as I said, higher risk of uh, vulnerability, but also proper, uh, not proper, higher, quote unquote, <laughs> possibility of being solved. No, right? no, much lower possibility of getting solved because the people who are just consuming these frameworks don't keep them up to date. Almost none of these systems actually auto patch because if they did, they'd probably break a lot of production code and companies wouldn't use them. And like I said, in my experience, uh, very few people actually keep their frameworks fully up to date. Okay, one thing I do have to agree when, when you mentioned uh, framework updates. Yeah, well, as you know, Angular 1 to Angular 2, totally different, totally rewrite. Re um, you kind of like can't even use the same, you know, same thing that, that you used in the 1. So there I would agree, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, some people might argue that it's not even, they should have given the new one a new name, but I am not going to weigh in on that because I didn't ever, I never used Angular 1 or 2. Although I hear TypeScript is really awesome. And from the little I've used of it, it seems like it is really awesome. But Indeed. But let me run through, let me run through a, a few of my points. Also, um, you talked about how if someone knows Angular, they can go from job to job to job and be awesome in Angular. That's great. But... I don't think it actually is great in the real world because it makes for bad developers. They learn the framework, but they don't know how... If Before they had the framework, if there was no framework, if they were doing classic ASP or PHP or even like CGI with Perl in the bad old days type of thing, they wouldn't actually know how to do that and how that works. So they only know the framework's abstraction. Or, yeah, abstraction. So... I don't think that they learn as much as they should or could. And for example, if the ORM, if someone doesn't know SQL to the extent where they can, you know, do all the querying they would need to do to even create schemas, create tables, create foreign keys, create indexes, deal with many to many relationships. If they can't do that by hand in SQL, I don't think they have any business using an ORM because, and that's not, a, that's not a criticism of ORMs, although I have many of those. It's a criticism of the way that the industry seems to be putting these cushioned, padded, you know, packaging around what's really there and hiding it from people who honestly believe that they are, you know, programmers and they're, they can build anything. And it's like, no, you can build out of these prefab units that people are handing you. But 
if something goes wrong or if you want to do something the framework doesn't provide, all of a sudden you're lost. Okay, yeah, like for ORMs, <laughs> I'm totally with you because they're everything is great until you have to optimize and then you have to like go under the hood and that's never fun. Um, yeah, I mean, one example that, and I'm going to keep picking on Django, unfortunately, um, but imagine you go to a website and it has a country list. And when you select a country, there's a state or province list that populates with the states or provinces of that country. Okay. If you, so you can imagine how that works, right? You have Ajax or something. When you select the uh, country, the states are retrieved to do that in PHP, even which we all know I'm not a big fan of PHP. It's extremely, oh, straightforward. we know that. Yeah. It's extremely straightforward, right? You receive the request for the country. You do your database lookup for the states and provinces and you return them. And then when they submit the form, you will have the state or province and the country, and you can validate them, make sure that they didn't mess with it and give you a state that doesn't belong to that country and, you know, do your thing. Done, right? But in Django, they have these forms, which are amazing. They save you so much work, and they're so magical, and they're automatic. To someone who had done it the hard way for years... When I first started using Django and I saw how the form system worked, I actually laughed out loud at my cubicle at work it, doing the demo project. I was like, wow, this is, you know, it was like amazing. The problem is the simple thing that I just described can't be done with vanilla Django because when a form is sent, you have a thing called the, the form's values. And if you create the form with the dropdown of the countries but the dropdown of the state's blank. When they submit the form, the only things that are possibly allowed to be sent back as options are what were sent, or as, as the selection, is what was sent as an option. So no possible state or province is a valid value for that form when it's submitted. So you populate the countries, but not the states, because you don't know which country they're going to choose. You send the form to the user. They select the country, an Ajax call comes back to the server, asks for some states, populates it, and you submit the form. When you submit the form, it says, let me check the country. Is that one of the ones that I gave you to choose from? Yes. Okay, we're good. Let me check the state. Is that one of the ones I gave you to choose from? No, because there were none, because you didn't know what they were going to be. So now you have to do extra manipulation in the init of the form class and recreate a form on the fly after the submission with this, the country and the states just so that the state will be a valid state and not rejected. And it's extra stuff you have to go through, and this isn't the only example of something like this in Django, but it's very frustrating when something that is a very, not only should be a simple thing, but is a simple thing, can't be done simply because you're using a framework. How oh well. All right. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say, Sean? Um, or add? <laughs> to make us who like frameworks and use them feel bad? Um, I don't want people to feel bad. I want people to le learn something, feel enlightened and inspired and encouraged to go through things better. So if you're using a framework, and if you love a framework, I'm not saying you're stupid or bad. I'm saying hey, check out this other way of doing things 
and it may open your eyes to a better way to perform the craft that we all love. So basically what you're saying is in terms of an example of Angular 5, it would be, okay, sure, cool, use it, no, no problem, but try to see the underlying code, understand it, maybe, you know, fork it, maybe add some features or whatever fixes. And of course, know the underlying underlying technology, in this case, JavaScript or well, TypeScript. No, I fundamentally disagree. In the case... Really? Oh, you, you said, this is going to go onward. <laughs> you, you just said, if you use Angular 5, go ahead, that's fine as long as you understand how it works. And I say, no, no, no. Don't use Angular 5, 6, 4, whatever. Use vanilla JS. Which I, oh boy, it seems like you never worked in vanilla JS, Sean. <laughs> I did though. But there are, like I said, there are libraries, there are packages. You don't have to write anything from scratch. I'm just saying don't use a framework that when you look at a code base and you can say this is an Angular code base, this is a Django code base, this is a Rails code base, that is what I would suggest you avoid. Okay. Anyways, um, I guess we should wrap it up before we get in the fight. <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, dear listeners, now you have the option to actually comment on our site, DevThink, or, well, Dev... Actually, Sean, you do it because you do it better. <laughs> oh, it is, it's DevThink, which is D-E-V-T-H dot I-N-K. Yeah, I think trying to pronounce Dev dot Inc. Exactly, be, right? Uh, a little bit silly, so, you know, DevThink. We actually, you know what? We have to do what, you know, every other normal IT thing does, and it is devthink.io, right? I really like the shorter name, though. Yeah, I'll, I'm also kidding. Uh, anyways, yeah, please go there and let us know what you think. Are you on my side or are you on... Are you weird and on Sean's side? <laughs> or a third option that hates both of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we don't need those. No. I don't think it's not an either or. I don't think it's well, maybe it is a bit of a dichotomy, right? You either use a framework or you don't. But you can get really picky on what's a framework. Like for example, in Python there's Flask, which I do love, and it's hypothetically I think it's called a framework or a micro framework, but it doesn't include all the bells and whistles. It essentially turns the text protocol of HTTP HTTP into Python objects and then the Python objects backed into the HTTP text protocol. It doesn't have an ORM, it doesn't have a forms library, it doesn't have, you know, all kinds of crazy WebSocket and session things built into it. It does have a template engine, which is Ninja 2, written by the same author, but it's not built in. It's suggested and recommended, but you're free to use a different template engine of your choice. Whereas with Django, if you choose Django, you're using Django's ORM, using Django's forms, you're using Django's models, you're using Django's uh, template engine and the way it does all its inheritance, you're using its security with its specific way that it does CRSF handling, and way it's you're using Django's URL handling and routing, you're using Django's middleware layout, and you are free, hypothetically, it's open source and it's Python, which is easy to use. You could not use any or all of those things, but if you did that, you may as well not be using Django because you're losing 
all of the benefit. And you could use most of them, but not all of them. And if you did that, I promise you it will be so painful, it is not worth even attempting. So, the whole batteries included kind of thing where everything is tightly coupled, it's it can be really great for rapid development, and you can get something in production in no time. Uh, but the short version is, I would not want to maintain that for any period of time. If you said, write this in three months, and I never want to see you again, I would strongly consider using Django. If you said you're going to be working on this project for the next five years, I wouldn't consider it for a second. Interesting. And would you consider Go? What do you mean? So, okay, we said that Django is bad. Can you do a similar thing as you said? So using pluggable, you know, libraries, can you do that in Go? Of course. Better than you can do it in Python? Uh, well, Go versus Python isn't a very uh, good topic to, because they'll extend this by a, a large amount. Okay, then this is what what we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go with yes no answer, and this will be a cliffhanger to the next episode. I would choose Go over Python for just about anything at any time, except maybe a small command line script of under twenty or fifty lines. Okay, I love it. Why? Because this, dear uh, listeners, just came from the guy who used Python, and as you heard contributed to Django uh, a lot. So stay tuned. <laughs> As I said, please go and comment. I really want to think, I really want to think that I'm not the only one over here who actually likes <laughs> frameworks. So yeah, Sean, in case you want to say anything for the end. No, I'm good. Awesome. Well, that's that guys. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the DevThink podcast. To reach us for comments, show suggestions, and other feedback, contact us at info at devthink. That's D-E-V-T-H dot I-N-K. Our intro music is by Rupa Deadweiler. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. 